The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So as we talk about what's happening in Iran, Iraq, uh, the U.S., um, wanting to explore a little bit more about um, what the death of Soleimani uh, means, who he was, how it's affecting Iranian citizens and um, people of Iranian descent here in Edmonton and thrilled to have joined me this afternoon, Payman Parsian, and thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Now, you guys might remember his name. He ran last city uh, councillor <laughs> down in Ward 9, didn't you? That is correct, yeah. Okay, well, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. You're the former president of the Iranian Heritage Society of Edmonton. Um, for those who are still trying to figure out who this major general was and his importance to the area, can you expand on that? Sure. Qasem Soleimani was the commander of the Quds Force, which is a branch of the IRGC, or the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. Mm -hmm. That's the clandestine or the foreign military operations arm of the Iranian government. He was the second most influential Iranian official or high-ranking Iranian clergy in the government. Not the president, but him. Mm. And so he's very influential in in the region, especially with regards to the smaller groups, the terrorist groups such as Hezbollah, Hamas, and these um, groups that would help uh, Bashar al-Assad, for example. Very influential there. The Iraqi politicians, uh, very close ties to uh, Qasem Soleimani. And so taking out a member of that stature in the Iran government was very significant. It came as a surprise. So me. when you heard about what happened, what did you think? Disbelief at first. I thought, uh, you know, these kinds of rumors come by. And then the second time that I started to hear more news about it immediately as it uh, had occurred, I thought perhaps he was a, uh, you know, he just happened to be in the area. Mm-hmm. They were going after Al Mohandes, uh, the other gentleman that was killed, the other high note individual mm-hmm. that was killed there. And uh, later, when the Department of Defense confirmed that he was, in, in fact, the target, it was very surprising um, it, and, and relieving and worrisome. It is, um, it's, I think, very confusing for a lot of us who don't have roots there or who don't, um, who haven't, who are trying to get all of our information right, like through a fire hose right now, right. <laughs> um, to understand the layers um, that is in that part of the world, the, you know, Iran... Iraq, the long-standing issues uh, with with the U.S. Is there a way to break it down, like in a nutshell? I mean, (laughs) I I don't want to ever support uh, intervention from a foreign power to change the government of any government. So this has to be led by the Iranian people if they want to pursue regime change. Mm -hmm. But uh, Qasem Soleimani personally was responsible for the death of hundreds of Americans. He was responsible for the spread of terrorism in the region and. Many, I would, I would hope, many in the in the Western world would would see some relief from uh, taking on a member of that stature. I'm I'm thinking that you know, with the call to pull out uh, U.S. forces, to pull out the Canadians uh, who are in Iraq as well, there has to be some concern about that creating a vacuum to allow ISIS to rebuild there. Yeah, so one of the uh, propaganda that was pushed by the Iranian state uh, to the people, and they're very effective at doing this for the last 40 years, was uh, making this commander look like a hero or Mm. icon to the people. And he stayed away from the politics. uh, And so he was liked generally on both sides of the spectrum. Not by everybody, Mm -hmm. but but generally on both ends of the spectrum. And so that narrative made him kind of an icon to the people there. And so with his death, 
um, there was a unity in the country just after killing of 1,500 people in the recent protests. So in three days, the Iranian government kills 1,500 people, and with the death of one man, the country unites overnight. They have an upcoming election where the hardliners were losing a lot of support. Now they suddenly have a 180-degree turn on that table. And his, the 40th day of a funeral in the Shia Muslim traditions is, is one of the most significant days in a funeral. His 40th day falls on the Iranian uh, revolution uh, anniversary, mm. which is the most important day to that government. So there's a lot of red flags um, to what has happened in this situation. And you, and you talk about how it's, you, you know, both sides of the country come together because yep. for, for different reasons. And I think some of us have been very confused because we have seen these throngs of people who have come out and, and mourning and, and wailing. We saw the Ayatollah today, you know, weeping uh, over his body, all of these things. And we're like, okay, I don't, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Part of it's government pressure. Um, okay. If you're not wearing black, all black during the three days of mourning, um, the there will be pressure against you from from the local community, from the police, from the government. Like you have to pretend to play the part. Mm. Um, the people there, you know, most of them are, are suppressed, as we saw the thousands yeah, yeah. that were killed just uh, over a month ago. Uh, Payman Parsian is the former president of the Iranian Heritage Society of Edmonton, joining me in studio this afternoon. Um, someone uh, in, in a clip earlier today, when we start talking about immediate ramifications of this, what is going to happen next? And that person who I remember talking just a short while ago said, we'll have to see what happens when the funerals are over, when the funeral is over. And I'm guessing now that time of mourning? Correct. Okay. So, so... Iran is, uh, they have a long history of asymmetrical warfare. There's no way they have the capability to go into a kinetic or conventional war with the United States. They're well aware of that, and the U.S. is well aware. So they will uh, continue through their proxy means, and that means that the mourning period, I mean, they won't be directly affected anyway through Mm. that. However, they're very patient. Um, Areas that I would watch for would be cyber security. They've ramped up their... After the, you know, embarrassment of Stuxnet. Yeah. They've definitely ramped up cybersecurity. The Strait of Hormoz, the mm-hmm. strategic waterway, carries a third of the world's LNG and a quarter of the world's oil through that strait. Um, the regional, just the, the groups like Hezbollah and Hamas will definitely put on some pressure against U.S. interests, not specifically mm-hmm. on American soil, but against U.S. interests. So, yeah, I kept hearing about the cyber attack, the, right. the possibility of the cyber attack. And I'm like, okay, when did that all happen? You touched on that. Can you explain a little bit more? So, it uh, turns out a long time ago, uh, sorry, uh, about a decade ago, um, Siemens, mm-hmm. the uh, manufacturer, they ended up inserting a virus into the Ir- Iranian software inside the Iran's uh, nuclear facilities, which uh, gave them false readings on their uh, instrumentation, which uh, overheated many of their centrifuges mm. uh, in their nuclear reactor, which disturbed the program vastly. And this was a... Um, Uncovered by a journalist, and it was uh, carried out by the American and, and mm-hmm. the Israeli intelligence services. And now, it wasn't discovered until it was too late, where the uh, American and, and Israeli intelligence had already had a, a lot of grasp over Iran's uh, uh, energy programs and such. And so, this really worried the Iranian regime, mm. and they ramped up their budget, funding, and operations for cybersecurity. Okay, yeah. so, all right, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. So, here at home, here at home, um, the, the community here, what what's the feeling? What are people saying? 
Uh, there's mixed emotions. There's uh, mm. generally there's worry because people aren't sure what's happening. Most of the Iranians that are here are immigrants, like myself. I was born in Iran, um, and I call Canada home, and I love my country mm-hmm. more than uh, mm-hmm. I can say. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do have ties to Iran. I have family there. I, I enjoy reading about the history and, and the heritage and the culture. And so, you know, speaking to family back in Iran, we don't know. Like, are they? Are they going to go to war? Are they going to be okay in six months from now? Are they going to be bombed? We don't know. We've lost family members, all of us, in the Iran-Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't new to Iran. And uh, we don't want to see this happen. War isn't good for anybody. So, so there's a lot of worry. The lack of access to family members is, is a worry. The lack of ability or stability of being able to plan a trip to go see family. If there's a funeral, if someone's family member is passing, you don't know, is it safe for me to travel there to go see them for their last moments? Or do I just send my best wishes? Well, and we've heard, um, you know, at the at the American-Canadian border just uh, over the past 24, 48 yeah. hours, um, those with uh, Iranian backgrounds being held, being questioned uh, much more thoroughly, let's say. I mean, and being detained for, for hours at times. And so that, that must give you pause to think, I'm not... I'm not I'm not going. Well, I'm not going to America. Well, my brother lives in the states, and wow. I travel there at least once a year. Usually, um, it's never happened to me, but it happened to my father once, where they uh, questioned him, and, mm-hmm. and my dad won't even go back to Iran again. So, mm. like, he's a full-on Canadian yeah, patriot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he was the guy that was questioned. Wow. So it does affect them. I th- one thing I also worry about is uh, maybe a rise in some uh, discriminatory or hate mm-hmm. or, or racist acts mm-hmm. against some of the Iranian community here and. I can safely say most of the Iranian community members here are proud Canadians. They're happy to be here. You know, uh, it's a small, very extreme faction that every society has that comes out and just terrible gives a terrible name to those community members. How big is the Iranian community in uh, in Edmonton? Estimates range between thirty four hundred and five thousand. Okay, um, because the census data hasn't come out for yeah, twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> when it does, hopefully uh, we have more accurate numbers. Um, there was a small vigil. Last yeah. night, for example, the legislature mm-hmm. held like a shrine for the uh, commander. Mm. And it came as a surprise to many of the Iranian community members. And we were kind of like, what? Who mm. would possibly do that? And it was done more secretively or uh, discreetly so that the community members don't know because we would have showed up and counter protest. Like, you c- we are proud to live in a country where we understand who a terrorist is and, and what the, doing the right thing is. What do you want um, my listeners to know about about uh, Iran, about um, the Iranian community here in Edmonton? Iran is a is not uh, like the regional countries at all. Iran is quite modern. Not to say that the regional countries aren't modern, but Iran is very modern. The population is very young. They're very forward thinking and. Uh, quite a high level of education there it's part of the culture mm-hmm. to get a, a high level education the people here are a reflection of that the educated population that comes here they want to become a part of this society if they're not already mm-hmm. some of the biggest businesses in Edmonton are owned by Iranians West End Mall Landmark Homes these are you know uh, proud business owners that have a long history here that, that are I'm sure proud Edmontonians and contributing to our society uh, Payman Parsian joining me in studio, the former president of the Iranian Heritage Society of Edmonton. Thank you for, for coming in and, and shedding some more light, light uh, on this rather convoluted issue. It's, uh, it's good to have a, a local voice to, to be able to, to help us wade our way through it. And, uh, and I appreciate your time. Thank you you're so welcome. much. Uh, your 2.30 News is up next.